Yeah, I find four weeks off, sort of like the first week, it's like, great, I'm off the boat, I'm not going back to work for four weeks. And normally the second week, I'm sort of caught up seeing people and that I haven't seen in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Third week, I'm sort of thinking of, unless I've got stuff planned, and, well, I haven't got anything on the go today, I'm just going to put around the house and maybe go for a stroll later. But the fourth week rolls around and it's like, yeah, it's, I'm ready to go back to work, like, go do some do what I do for a living. Like. Mm-hmm. Today's guest, Lee McLean, is an oiler currently working for the Canadian Coast Guard, one of my three younger brothers and one of my current roommates. Join in to hear a conversation about his month-on, month-off schedule, what exactly an oiler does on ship, and his recent road trip to Newfoundland, Labrador, and Quebec. Having grown up together, we also briefly discuss some of our similarities and differences and where we think they stem from. My name is Alex McLean, and welcome to the 41st Hour. Alright, I don't really know how to open this, because you've been here all day, but yeah. thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for taking a last minute episode. I'm here with Liam McLean of Relation. Yeah. <laughs> so Liam's one of my three younger brothers. Also a roommate, and uh, I was stretched out for an episode, so he said he could help out. Yeah, I was figured it was a good time to do it. You were looking for someone. I don't have much on the go right now. I'm about to take off for work, so. Can you share uh, what you're about to go go do? Like, what does your work look like? Uh, so I work with the Canadian Coast Guard as an oiler. Um, so it would be sort of the entry position into the marine engineering world. So I assist the marine engineers during their 12-hour watches in the engine room. Okay. Um, depending on which vessel I'm on, some oilers have different responsibilities. I've been on some vessels where I'm in charge of calculating how much fuel has been consumed at the end of the day. been on some vessels where it's just do a round and look for anything abnormal and report it to the engineer. So... Um, but I'm off to St. John's tomorrow to head to the Earl Grey in a dry dock because it's having a sewage system replaced amongst other work. So what's a dry dock? Um, so part of vessel maintenance, I believe it's every two and a half years or every five years, the vessel needs to come completely out of the water in order to be researched, kind of like an MVI. So Which ships, is... a motor vehicle inspection. Okay, well, I, yeah, so, I was sure it was a Coast Guard term. Yeah, so in order for our vessels to be insured, we have to prove they're safe to work on. Okay. Part of that maintenance is repainting the hull, could be taking out the shafts and looking at for alignment issues. There's really depends on how old the vessel is and what needs to be done for work. So can you be assigned to do any of these tasks, like repaint the hull or take out the shafts? Or... Um, dry dock, it's not a lot of work done by the Coast Guard personnel, really. Okay. A lot of those big jobs are done by the dockyard workers, and the Coast Guard tends to oversee. Okay. Is what I'm pretty sure happens. This is my first time going into a dry dock. Okay. So would so... you be in a supervisory role when, in um, St. John's? Not entirely a suit. Possibly in some aspects, because they might have me checking in with contractors to see are they up to date on their work. That might be the engineer's job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure how much of the crew we have currently. Okay. So we could be at 50% capacity, could be solely engine room personnel. I'm not sure until I get there, really. Yeah. Um, or I might be on night watch, and that's just a, sort of a lot of cleaning up and organizing tools after the day's been done and monitoring to make sure nothing's caught fire. <laughs> Does um, that happen frequently? Thankfully, no. Because <laughs> unlike most jobs, you can leave the building that's on fire. You can't really do that on board ship. So. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So things are... Not to say that things in buildings aren't designed to catch fire, but it's an extra yeah. precaution on board ship. Yeah. So, um, but it's one of the industries that 
and like most they've learned from their mistakes mm-hmm. and so when there has been serious floods or fires they do a multitude of years inspection um, investigation into the cause and what could have prevented it and then those get implemented and verified in inspections like dry dock or annual refits okay you mentioned that you're not sure the the capacity of the crew in st john's how does that impact the workload that you'll have during your time there um probably won't impact too much because a lot of the it's more so the deck hands that won't be there because the dockyard will supply those workers um a lot of the times when the vessel's coming out of the water, it's all engine room work for the most part. Okay. You might get the exterior painting, perhaps replacing some of the bridge equipment, like navigational side. I'm not too sure about that. I don't spend much time up top. But it won't be, like if you're, if they are at 50% capacity, that doesn't double your workload, does it? No. Okay. Um, it's just... This is the list of stuff that needs to get done for the month. Normally, they base it off of the regular crew. Normally, we have most of the crew. Mm -hmm. So, So, assuming that they eventually get this ship back in the water. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, scheduled for early December, I think. Okay, will you be returning to that ship? Uh, No. Well, as of right now, I'm scheduled to return to the Gene Goodwill. Okay. Um, But, as you you saw this morning plans can change fairly quickly and i might get sent to a different boat like mm-hmm. i got called this morning to possibly go to a different vessel uh, no, elsewhere not in st john's yeah yeah it was going to be a dartmouth boat okay um so right now i'm scheduled to go to the sir the gene goodwill and cover for someone that's taking a vacation over the christmas months okay so it's unlikely that they'll pull me from that as I'm already filling in for someone. Okay. So, but when you do return, it'll likely be to a ship that's in the water. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. And so how will your responsibilities and duties differ? I'm assuming when you go to ship, it's usually sailing or at least like a vessel that is uh, seaworthy. Yeah. Um, that would be your default. What does like your average workday not on a ship that's not in dry dock what is that Um, so normally wake up um depending on what my work shift starts and stops at it might be offset from the regular meal hours um so i might have breakfast i might wait until the first coffee break for breakfast so i'll normally go down grab a coffee on my way down to the engine room I'll poke my head into the machinery control room first, which is sort of the uh, the brains of the operation. Okay. That's not you, the brains of the operation? <laughs> no. There's people that get paid more than I do. Um, but this would be where our, our alarm monitoring system is located. Um, I normally poke my head in, do a quick, say like, hey, how was the watch? Any major issues? Um and then I'll go do a round of the machinery spaces. Okay. So I'll get an idea of what's running. Um, even it's nice like have a fresh set of eyes because they've just done 12 hours of work. Hey, that temperature's a little higher than it might normally be. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back to the machinery control room or the MCR. And I'll sit down with the guys and we'll do a handover. And they'll say, all right, this is what we've done. This is what the chief engineer would like us to keep working at these jobs are coming up on inspection hours so so it sounds pretty pretty hands-on yeah yeah it's it's a lot of time on your feet Mm -hmm. you get the odd sort of bit of paperwork at the computer but it's mainly sort of filling out time or um, spreadsheets oh like a timesheet no, no, like actual spreadsheets. Like an actual spreadsheet. Uh, it's a pre-programmed one, normally. You're just inputting the values that you went and took. So that's like a, a maintenance log, almost, would it be? We we do have a maintenance log, the chief engineer's log, where every six hours a set of readings of the running machinery is taken. Okay. So that way we can, it's a legal requirement 
but it also allows us from a maintenance side of things to look at if there's a change over a gradual change over a long period of time mm-hmm. which we may not notice from day to day yeah yeah you wouldn't notice unless you are taking those readings yeah. and stuff okay um but what was the other not, not the maintenance log uh spreadsheets spreadsheets yeah um sometimes they're just inventory of various lubricants and fuels or chemicals we can carry uh, okay sometimes it's um actually sounding the tanks which is like really long dipstick for your car oil level okay would be a layman's term for that <laughs> something i can understand <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to think of how would i explain it to cameron to cameron oh well, cameron would know yeah that's a good example yeah. cameron would be our our youngest brother youngest brother yeah, yeah for people who don't know who might be expressing interest <laughs> in the same trade and the coast guide uh i think so uh, okay yeah so let's say I had another segue, but this is a perfect yeah. segue into what uh, what got you in the Coast Guard? Um, like what made you decide to go down this path? Well, I'd done from the age of 12 to 18 sea cadets. Um, and within that, I'd gotten a few opportunities to be on, large, I don't know, some large vessels, some sort of mid-sized vessels. I really like the aspect of working on board a ship mm-hmm. um i really like the engine room a lot more because it is a lot more than than being on the bridge okay um plotting i've done some work up there and like you plot your chart course but it's a lot of just steering straight lines and <laughs> it wasn't as exciting i found okay whereas the engine room i found it's kind of like a big immersive puzzle mm just always so, something to be fixed or solved or, yeah and like one it might be like one pump that's not working but that could be your coolant pump which will then affect the temperatures on your engine and there's a lot of steps down the line that one issue will can cause okay so when there is an issue how do you identify the source of the problem the alarm monitoring system is pretty nice uh okay. we've got a lot of sensors um be them temperature pressure some have flow meters um, but then it's also regular rounds of the engine room. Okay. So there's not much guesswork. It's kind of pretty instantaneous. Um, it's more so sometimes guesswork on some of the simpler issues because it could be caused by so many different things. Okay. Do you have an example? Um, there was one time I was putting a cover on with the engineer, just a round plate lining up bolts and we thought that maybe the bolts weren't lining up we rotated the plate around and it was as simple as one of the holes the threads were like bashed to pieces uh, okay so the pull, bolt wouldn't thread in so it's just as simple as re-threading that hole mm-hmm. and that's not, yeah i guess that's not something that would be picked up on a sensor necessarily. no because it's yeah. not not uh not the first thing you would think of yeah um besides sea cadets were there any other uh influences that kind of drove you towards the um, coast guard our uncle gordon oh yeah yeah <laughs> he um well he's a he works in the opposite trade really for me he was well just retired but was a captain on board bc ferries and i didn't necessarily want to go strictly private sector like gordon did mm-hmm. i didn't really want to go military which i saw a lot with cadets yeah coast guard seemed like a pretty good even split you're a public servant no one's shooting at you but you still (laughs) get mom loves this (laughs) or this decision (laughs) but there is a little more structure to like similar to the military from what i was familiar with like chain of command was pretty similar Okay. And was there any carryover benefits from being, or obviously there were um, maybe intangible benefits of being in cadets and coming to the Coast Guard, but were there any direct kind of transitions or anything? They don't offer it anymore, but one of the summer camp courses was a marine engineering course. It was an eight week course. Um, I never took it, but so I don't know what sort of qualifications or stuff you could get out of that course 
kind of similar how to like air cadets can get their pilot's license they might have been able to get something towards their fourth class marine engineering ticket okay. or perhaps their engine room rating or i'm not sure i never took the course yeah um No, it was mainly the experience on board vessels that sort of led from the cadets to Coast Guard, though. Okay. Um, Just being exposed and kind of dipping your toes. Yeah. Figuring um, it out. Because I had never really thought Coast Guard, and until I was there, I didn't realize it wasn't military. Okay. Did so, you have other options in mind? Um, I had... A couple of years ago. So. I had applied to NSCC um, for the same program. And there's actually a few of us that were at the Coast Guard College that had all been accepted to that program, but then went to the Coast Guard College. Okay. It's a common theme between, yeah. between you guys then. Because um, it's not every school that offers the programs. Um, I think in the Atlantic provinces, there's Memorial in, or in Newfoundland. Yeah. Coast Guard College, Port Hawkesbury, NSCC. And perhaps PEI. Oh, like Holland College? Yeah. Okay. So there's only really four schools in the Atlantic provinces. And it sounds like something that would be offered in either the Atlantic provinces or BC. Well, Coast Guard, you need There is a school in Quebec and one in Ontario. Oh, okay. Ontario? Yeah. That'd be on on the... the Great Lakes. Okay. I was going to say the Bay... uh... Hudson Bay? Hudson Bay, yeah. I assume the one in Quebec is along the... Uh, it's along the St. Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. It's in Rimouski. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. I think that's the southern shore. Okay. Yeah. Um, earlier on in the conversation, you mentioned that uh, you kind of work alongside engineers. Um, and just a quick side story is... Uh, so, what's your, your official degree... Or you I, did... Marine so, engineering, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I would always say, oh, it's not a real engineer because you don't have a ring. And then you would fire back with a KO punch and be like, yeah, but you pay my tax or my salary through your taxes. I'd yeah. be like, well, can't um, make that joke again. <laughs> yeah, so the marine engineers are not, they're not recognized as engi- like the engineering trade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a title. Well, okay, that's, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. I I didn't finish my but, question. Uh, I was gonna ask, where does your responsibility and work end and the engineers begins? Like, what's that crossover? Is there any that's um, pretty distinct? There is, and it's probably in our job description somewhere. Mm-hmm. Lines it out, um, but it does vary a lot between crews, um, because you'll get with an engineer that you've worked with before. And they're confident in your abilities and they let you do more responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, the watch is held by the engineer. And from a legal standpoint, they're responsible for the engine room for those 12 hours. Yeah. And so is that a position that you kind of work towards and grow into? Or is that something like you'd even be interested in? Um, So, yeah, you can start off as an oiler or engine room with your engine room rating. And then there's a sea time requirement, which I'm not sure what it is because I've done sort of a bit of two ways. You can go to school for four years being a marine engineer, or you can work towards your exams and challenging it. Okay. So I started off in the school route, and then I'm finishing it off with challenging the exams. Okay. Um, And the four exams I have are a two-week simulator course, which is sort of like a big video game of an engine room okay um with an exam at the end of that with transport canada written exam practical okay um well practical in the simulator okay yeah and then there's two written exams in general engineering knowledge and uh ek and motor so the components of an engine Mm -hmm. and how that actually functions and then there's an oral where you sit down with an experienced engineer and you have a chat with him and he talks, well, if this happened, what would you go do? Oh, okay. Yeah, so he runs you through scenarios and then sort of based on that, he gives you a stamp of approval and 
away you go. Yeah. Is there one of these exams that worries you more than the others? I don't know. I, I would say probably the oral. Okay. Like, Interesting. Yeah, because with the written exam or a practical, it's all right there, and you see the issue, and you can write down your answer. Mm-hmm. But there's more sort of you're sat across from someone and perhaps they might make a weird face and you might figure out, oh, maybe that's not the right answer. But uh, it, just taking on those social cues. Yeah. Right? Okay, interesting. So Yeah, I would have said oral as well. I don't know if that's what I would be more worried about or if that's but me m- knowing you, my, you. My writing tests are also um, multiple choice. Uh, so there's no variable that's of totally like, different then yeah so there's no variable of them like well he could have included this much more to mm-hmm. that question so well did he write a or not yeah so okay but even i know personally i'm more of a, a visual learner um what style learning would you say you are same more so getting, yeah like visual and hands-on yeah like the do the job a couple times with like the instructions but normally once i've done it two or three times Mm -hmm. pretty confident that i can do it again yeah where do you think that stems from i'm not not sure i mean or to take a guess i would say growing up on the farm yeah that's what i was kind of getting at but i didn't want to influence your decision we were pretty young when we started not, not manual labor but <laughs> mom drove us in the ground when we were five yeah <laughs> just yeah. kidding <laughs> i don't know how young we were when we started like shoveling manure like uh pretty young but i mean it was an easy way to make money and it was but i mean you look at that. some of those bags are fairly heavy for you know, what eight seven year old to be lugging around i don't know if i was lugging them around at seven but yeah, I'm not sure. If they were, they're probably half full. <laughs> yeah, People really weren't, weren't getting back. their money's worth. <laughs> or, or granny going back after to fill them later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a fine line between like 7 and 77. <laughs> Somewhere that we didn't quite hit. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if we were to guess, it'd be like all the farm work. Mm-hmm. And working with my hands and doing yeah. that sort of stuff growing up. Yeah, that's interesting though because we didn't really have much uh, machinery. No, for the or long, any <laughs> for the longest time we just had a a two wheel drive truck. Is that the range? No, what was no, before it was the Ranger? turquoise truck before the Ranger. Oh, I never yeah. remember what it was. I don't know. That's yeah. I'm surprised you remember that. I barely remember it. And then I think it, we got like hay elevator. That yeah, was, like, that was a big deal. And all of that is now knowing what it is. It's just a electric motor that runs a chain. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. As far as machinery goes, that's pretty simple. Yeah. Be funny if, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you, <laughs> you went to the Coast Guard because you were like, I've had it with no machinery. <laughs> like, there's an easier way to do things. But, uh, but that translates well to the tractor because if there's something wrong with the tractor, mom will get you to take a look at it and kind of. She'll get me to look at it, but. Mom doesn't have any tools. Uh, so you can identify the problem, but you yeah, can't can. necessarily fix it. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's how you get more tools. <laughs> Possibly. Although, I think that's how Dad gets more tools. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the tools are coming to Halifax. I think no. they're staying on the farm. So, um, it's also like, it's not necessarily a good environment to work on the tractor in the barn. Hmm. You might be looking for a washer you drop for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stop it. Washer in a haystack. That's yeah. the saying. Right? Doing it in a nice like <laughs> cement floor garage. It's a lot different. I think that's actually on mom's to-do list. Cement floor garage for the tractor. No. No, no. <laughs> Her to-do like, list is way too long. She's going to say like a concrete pad. <laughs> she did talk about that though. Um, I think for feeding. for. I can see that. For the, the animals. From like a round bale feeder on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how where that project went but um that's his octomom she might be able to do it behind the barn on that old sort of cement pad yeah i definitely want to repair that first yeah so. yeah i'll bring mom on an episode and talk to her <laughs> um back to work briefly because I, I do want to bounce back to the farm yeah. and things but your schedule is pretty well you said like it's kind of 
flexible. Like you got to call this morning. It's just yeah. a couple of days or whatever. But typically you do work um, four weeks on, four weeks off. Yeah. They're sort of, they like, they'll stagger the crew changes for the different vessels. So the vessel I'm going to tomorrow, crew changes on Tuesday. A different vessel crew change on Wednesday and another on Thursday. So it's those vessels are all crew changing four weeks apart, but mm-hmm. offset by one day. So sometimes I get calls. Actually, don't go to this boat today. You go to the next. Okay. But for the most part, it's always like three weeks and six days. Or yeah, if I'm lucky, maybe it's four weeks and two days. Mm-hmm. But when you're working, you're you're working. There's yeah, no, it's it's, it's twelve days. hours on, twelve hours off, and then in those twelve hours you got to do your laundry, you got to shower, mm-hmm. try and do anything for yourself, um, eat. Yeah. So it's not a, it's pretty much, at least for myself, it's normally I go to work and get off work, go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I might take care of a few sort of like laundry or send off a couple emails to the office that I didn't get the chance to do throughout the day. Yeah, just kind of chores and stuff. Yeah. How do you find that schedule, um, both on the working side, but on the time off side of things? Um, so the working side, I do prefer the 12-hour shifts. Versus there, like, so there are some vessels that do six hours on, six hours off. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> I've worked it once before when I was doing a work term, and all I did was sleep. Yeah. You went to work. And then you slept. Um, and then there's another one that I think some of the Newfoundland boats do is, I believe, eight hours on, eight hours off, four on, four off. It sounds almost worse than the six, 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 six. Or it might be like eight hours on, four off. Then, no. Yeah, it's it's a weird combination. I've never worked it. Okay. Um. But those boats sometimes, though, during those four hours off, they'll they might get like an hour or two to go to the gym or something. So, because they're not working on watch for those four hours, they're only on watch for eight hours, and the rest of the time they're doing sort of day work. Okay. Which is sort of maintenance outside of the engine room that might come up. So what what is on watch being so? On watch, watch you're taking care of all the running machinery and sort of what's the propulsion system. So driving the boat as well as the generators, which are powering the boat and your hotel services, which are sewage, potable water, air conditioning. Day working might be something like the towing winch is broken. Uh, okay. So they're going to go up above decks on the aft of the ship and sort of work on that winch. So like non-essential yeah. things. Okay. Okay. So, um, and then the other hand, the four weeks off, I really, I quite enjoy it because there's no sort of trying to fit all your activities in Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go when stuff isn't as busy. Like I can go do trips on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, yeah. And I've done that with people where like we'll go to a national park, middle of the day Tuesday and it's empty. Yeah, who do you go with? If uh... um, <laughs> tends to be that's the other downside to that cycle is when I'm off, most of the other people around me aren't. Mm-hmm. They are only off on Saturday Sunday, um, so it's nice having a few people that like our other roommate at the moment, Vinny, it works with the Coast Guard as well. So it's nice because then we're both working same similar four weeks on, four weeks off. As long as you're not opposite schedules. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's another, there's a few other friends in the area that work for the Coast Guard and similar shifts like that. So it's not as hard pressed to try and squeeze a bunch of activities in to a few days with them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You can take a while to plan stuff and actually I don't know if you can get more out of it I suppose I find yeah because um, you're not there's no time constraints yeah so it's uh 
yeah, I could see that going either of two ways, kind of. You could get a lot out of it, or you could just be like, oh, I have so much time to do things, and then all of a sudden you're back to work again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in the summer, you managed to, well, leading up to the summer, you managed to work enough overtime that you got yeah. a block of four weeks off. Can you talk about that a bit? So normally you would work your four weeks, and then you'd have the following four weeks off. Um, if you earn enough vacation time, you can take a month of work off which would be so month one you're you're at work for four weeks month two you have your normal month off but then you don't return to work for month three but then you also have the following month four off so you Mm -hmm. end up with 12 weeks of vacation normally um i got eight weeks this summer um and it all sort of worked out that i bought a ticket to go see a show in ottawa and then i planned a big road trip around it um along with other camping adventures along the way and what was your road trip and camping and um so i left from halifax and i drove to sydney i took the ferry across to newfoundland um i spent a week in st john's i suppose this is another benefit of our work is um, I have classmates in St. John's, and they weren't home. So uh, that week, I stayed at his apartment for free. Yeah. Other than, like, a bottle of wine to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I also met up with another friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours, Ian. Yeah. Um, I stopped in St. Pierre, um, which is a French-owned territory off of Newfoundland. Um definitely like to go back there and get some more camping i didn't get across to make which is okay. the smaller of the two islands there um then i drove across newfoundland i hiked up gross morn um that was a long trek <laughs> would do it differently next time what would you do differently um so they direct day hiker traffic clockwise up the mountain and around in the loop yeah so that they're going up the super steep rocky cray gully because they don't want people trying to go down that yeah normally if you're spending the or planning to camp you go the five kilometers along the gradual incline around the other way of the mountain yeah you drop your packs and then come up the back okay i went the same road as all the day traffic with but you were camping i was camping so Uh, i had my full pack on mm -hmm. and meanwhile there's these guys blowing by in just shorts and t-shirts with a (laughs) few bottles of water in their backpack yeah i think that's the route that i did when i went to go do it yeah i made sure to make that my pack was visible in the photo at the summit (laughs) yeah why is liam so sweaty (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was yeah, it's yeah. a steep hike. Yeah. yeah. It's like nearly a kilometer of elevation and half a kilometer of distance. Is it that much? It's 800 meters and 500. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. It's a kilometer total with like the lead up to the mountain. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Funnily enough, I was coming down from the mountain and there was a tourist who had asked me, like, oh, did you just finish the hike? And he asked me if it was, if I thought it was suitable for his five-year-old child uh, and to uh, immediately said no no did they turn around or they kept I, I said that it would probably be suitable to like go up to the base of the mountain and you could still get a good view of it but uh-huh. i wouldn't attempt to do the summit with a five-year-old child unless he was prepared to carry him for yeah, most yeah. of it sounds like he wasn't prepared to carry him. no <laughs> um uh and then i went to from gross morn I sort of camped along my way. I set up my car so I could sleep in the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really funny because I drove from St. John's to Gross, the park, Gross Morn, in one shot. And I got there at 6 o'clock at night, I think. And I thought I had found a logging road to go camp on. So here I am on the back of my, sitting on the trunk of my car, cooking on the Coleman stove. And this truck pulls in. Turns out I was camped in someone's driveway. <laughs> I didn't hear this story. <laughs> and in very like welcoming Newfoundland fashion, 
I had offered to move, and he's like, oh, no, you're good there. There might be a better spot around this corner if you want. <laughs> um, and then the next day I was off and off the mountain. But then I went to Lasso Meadow. I was interested in seeing the Viking settlement up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a couple hikes around the swamp and sort of information about local plants how the Vikings had harvested iron out of the swamp. Um, and it's really just this tiny Viking settlement in the middle of some northern peninsula of Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool to see because it's the... Not only is it a national park, it's a UNESCO heritage site because it connects the humans' migration. Uh. Are, I believe the running theories we started in Africa worked our way up through sort of the Middle East, went into Europe, across Asia, took the land bridge across and then down into South America. But the Vikings were the only group that went east to west. Okay. Following the Arctic down and around. Oh, not even say it. Say well, they say it. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. Following the travel. ice coast. Of yeah, gotcha. Um and then I took the ferry across to Labrador, or I was planning to take the ferry across to Labrador that night, and it was canceled due to the high winds. So I managed to stop in and see Al Kip, because oh, it was only 30 minutes away. Okay. <coughs> um, he was up doing, I believe, sort of kind of semi-humanitarian work. He goes up into a lot of the remote towns to provide eye exams. Oh, okay, yeah. I think I did that. So I just sort of stopped in and said hi, had a cup of tea with him, mm-hmm. and I was off on my way. Um, because it was cheaper and shorter to drive through Labrador if I was already in that area of Newfoundland rather than come back through Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And take the ferry and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I drove, drove through Labrador in two days. It was a lot better than I expected. I was expecting a lot of dirt highway. Um, and it was freshly paved. Oh, perfect. Yeah. You fly through that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I thought it was going to take three days. And I was meeting up with a friend in Ontario and I sort of sent him a text. It's like, yeah, I'll be at your place tomorrow, which was, I think, two or three days ahead of schedule. Uh, okay. Um, so then I met up with a couple of friends in Ottawa and the three of us drove back east. Yeah. With yeah. A few stops in sort of Quebec and a spot in New Brunswick, Bathurst. For more camping and hiking? Uh, no, we'd stop there because it was a free spot to stay. We stayed at Linden JP's. Yeah, yeah, but in Quebec. Um, no. no. So after uh, I got okay. to Ottawa, my trip switched more so from a hiking sort of camping trip to a sort of touristy yeah. big city trip. Gotcha. Uh, we did a bit of kayaking in Ontario before we started coming east but mm-hmm. that was sort of the extent of outdoor activities yeah okay that, no i thought it was more of a, a camping hiking trip because that is your main outdoor activity. outdoor recreational yeah. activities it's a camping. lot of sort of hiking and camping mm-hmm. um i do like the aspect of being able to like go do a four-hour trek and then stay at a spot for two days and it's just you you get in there take care of yourself or the group you're with and away you go after that something happens it's on you guys to figure it out Mm -hmm. what is it about like camping and hiking and those kinds of things that gets you outside um normally it's a a lot of the time it's the people i'm going with too um tend to go hiking with a lot of the same guys and it's nice to catch up and it's more so focused on us because there's no distraction of technology mm-hmm. and you end up, I find connecting more with them because there's less distractions. Yeah. Um, and it's the sort of the autonomy of it, which is one of the things I liked about the road trip. Mom kept trying to convince me to have dad come along with me. And I was like, <laughs> well, if dad comes along with me, then I can't sleep in the back of the car. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised you fit in there, let alone. It's, like, 
It's a cramped sort of system, but it works. Yeah. I can't imagine you and dad. Yeah. Both 6'3". And, yeah. yeah. Uh, Liam drives a Mazda 3, I think, yeah. for anybody listening. So not the biggest vehicle. No. Bigger than my last, though. Tiny oh, yeah. Rio. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you find there are any similarities between the hiking, camping, and your your job as an oiler with the Coast Guard? Um, not so much the oiler itself, but the seafaring. Because on a vessel there is a lot of autonomy it's a pretty well respected tradition that if something goes wrong anyone in the area will respond mm-hmm. but you very well could be in the situation that you're the only like it's up to you to survive or just not sink the ship put out the fire so it's a lot of responsibility on expecting your shipmates to know their duties in various emergencies okay. um which is not normally as extreme in camping but no but it's like it's oh, all right, this person his job is to carry the first aid kit make sure it's got accessible and like all right you've got the bear spray mm-hmm. so-and-so's got the food when you go camping um like i know the guys you go camping with most of them are in the coast guard yeah do you guys assign kind of like roles like one person's cook like um i don't think we've ever actually assigned it i tend to cook a lot for them Um, that's out of enjoyment though because yeah i quite like cooking Mm -hmm. um and i quite like finding creative ways of trying to make not compromise on camping cooking so Mm -hmm. you can still have like total opposite (laughs) (laughs) which i want to talk about later (laughs) yeah i'm all Um, about the quick and fast easy cleanup yeah yeah like i made dehydrated pasta sauce like um because then i could you'd still have like spaghetti and meatballs if Mm -hmm. you want it but you've hiked in like a cast iron pot before haven't you yeah and didn't use it you didn't use it you're a maniac (laughs) wasn't a big one but i mean they're not light either though. no they weren't um i was sort of adamant that actually i think we might have used it because i was pretty adamant that like no i carried it in um but yeah, I've definitely sort of cut down on some of the items that, yeah, I probably won't use that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our buddy Curtis does tend to end up being, I don't know, more so the first aid guy, but he's more so, it's a little more, not necessarily cautious, but might be a little more prepped in that area. Mm-hmm than some of us put more thought into that aspect yeah um other than that it's more so just divvy up the weight yeah yeah split up the tent stuff yeah Yeah. um i was doing so well (laughs) back a little bit to the work um, like being off for four four weeks at a time, obviously helps with this camping and hiking because yeah. like you, like you said earlier, you're not restricted to Saturday Sunday. So one thing I do is I kind of pick out my long weekends and then decide I'm gonna take Friday off as well, and mm-hmm. then I have four four days. Yeah. Um, People in the office like to do that too. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Then, I think everybody with a desk job kind yeah. of tends to do that. Then, but then we can't get a hold of them. No. Well, then you basically have Friday off too, right? No. <laughs> um, but how... Oh, what was the question? I had such a good segue. <laughs> um, oh, do you think that, at least from your perspective and for your current lifestyle, that um, do you, what do you think about your current work-life balance? Um, definitely figuring out more stuff on like the life side of things. Um, definitely sort of like see how people talk about like retirees coming back and working like it's a lot of time to fill Mm -hmm. with activities but then the downside is the wallet might not necessarily reflect that (laughs) Yeah, like I have four weeks that I could be doing a lot of stuff but the Coast Guard doesn't pay that well yeah um so it is sort of a struggle to find 
activities that I can do and like sort of another like the commitment of like signing up for activities but only being there half the time oh uh, yeah so it'd be tough so to get like monthly memberships and stuff yeah tough, so it's like hard to justify sort of been toying with that and it's like well i can't commit to full like say when i went and played basketball i can't be there every week oh uh, yeah which would um, be tough to, yeah like, so and to especially teammates. if like they're trying to have an x amount on their team mm-hmm. you're missing practices all the time um which is sort of one example but slowly sort of putting a list of stuff together that i could sort of pick my way at and try this activity and that just to do stuff on my spare time yeah what's uh what's at the top of that list one i've been ta- thinking about a long time has been like walking dogs at the spca oh okay um because i quite enjoy interacting with dogs but my work schedule doesn't necessarily permit to own a dog mm-hmm. um so it's sort of like go get my dog fixed and then leave go them. work and yeah yeah it's kind of so, like kind of like I was going to say being an uncle, but then I was like, I'm not having kids anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think any of us are. Yeah. Stuart's probably the closest. But where you can kind of like go yeah. see the kid and be like, and well, like, not my problem. See you later. Yeah. Like you can be the grandparent that gets them all hyped up on desserts and sugar and then send them home with their parents. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never thought about dog walking with SPCA, but um, um, I don't know sort of if that's something that's they need people to walk dogs but that's something on your radar you're yeah I'm gonna start out. um and then the other one's been sort of more so like taking advantage of stuff going on in halifax like local festivals and yeah stuff? local festivals mm-hmm. and activities um like i was scheduled to go i was supposed to go to the oyster festival which got canceled for the hurricane hurricane mm-hmm. fiona it was just sort of fun stuff like that i was like they had the amateur oyster shucking contest. Like, oh, yeah. God. I was excited to go watch you. I have I'll no idea my... what to expect. <laughs> Neither did I really. It's like <laughs> two dozen oysters in two minutes. I think I can do that. So. That's pretty quick. Six seconds of oyster, I think. Uh, maybe it was a dozen in two minutes. Maybe okay. it was one, one okay. every ten seconds, I yeah. think. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that also is... I find a lot of those activities are more so posted on social media, which I'm pretty absent from, I would say. Mm. I don't really spend much time on it. Yeah. I have most of them, but rarely use them. So I've been, I sort of have to go looking for the activities more so than they're sort of yeah, it'd be being advertised to me. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing you just mentioned was that the current work life balance doesn't really lend towards owning a dog. Is there the option in the Coast Guard to go towards a more, like you've talked about the office. Yeah. Is that something you think you would pursue in the future? Um, I don't know if I would want necessarily an office job, but Mm -hmm. I sort of view an office job as sitting at a desk in a cubicle for, from nine to five. Um, but there are certain positions that, I mean, you could teach at the Coast Guard College. I could teach elsewhere later on. Because um, most post, actually all post-secondary institutes don't require a teaching degree. Mm. You just need to be qualified in the field. Okay. So like you could go teach mechanical engineering. At uh, community college. Or Dow universities uh yeah i guess i could but i'm sure there are other candidates with masters and phds who would be better suited or have more um academia uh, experience yeah but more academia doesn't necessarily lend to a better teacher yeah if you can't relay the info to your students there's no benefit in you knowing all the info yeah um but there's also positions like vessel manager who he sort of looks at after one ship and he goes, all right, this is the five-year plan for this vessel. This is the 10-year plan. This is what needs to be done by this year. And that's a lot more so in the office, but they do get to come down to the vessels and look at 
Oh, okay. All right, this is five years in. Oh, that's sort of on par with what we would have expected for like wear and tear after five years. And then plan the maintenance for the vessel, mm-hmm. their maintenance manager. So, so the, yeah, there's the option to, you can... You can branch branch off to the shore side. And do something a little more, uh, I guess, standard or... Well, that's, that's more so staying in my trade. Um, I suppose as a public servant, I could technically put in for a transfer to go work at the post office. That'd be a good retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny has always joked about because our, retire, our um, pension works off of your best five years. So you get your full 70% of making your best five years. And then you could spend the rest, the next 20 working at the post office. Um, and get 70% of yeah. what you made 20 years ago. Once you retire. Um, so there are, th- are other routes outside of the trade that I could work for. But right now, I'm not thinking of leaving the marine industry. Yeah. Yeah. You're content with the schedule and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty early on still. Yeah. You're only 24. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, twenty five this Christmas. Yeah. Um, what's one thing that you think would improve your work life balance, or have you got it all figured out? I don't have it all figured out for sure. <laughs> um, writing stuff down and telling people about it. What do you mean? Because if I start talking like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, these people are expecting me. Like, I'm going, I've told them I'm going to do that. Well, yeah, I should go do it. Like, um, But I find if I don't necessarily write it down, it sort of gets put on the back burner and I forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same um, But like when I was planning my road trip, I was telling everyone about it. Yeah. Because um, I was like, well, they expect, oh, Liam's going on this road trip this summer. So, um, yeah, it's more so putting it on paper and talking about it. Cause I find talking about it, I start to pick up on ideas from other people. They talk about, Oh, I was up there this year and you should go check out this. Mm-hmm. Like Robbie recommended a hike in St. Anthony, Newfoundland. Okay. I didn't even know Robbie had ever been to St. Anthony. <laughs> um, so it's. I find it adds to the trip and makes it sort of, I don't know, kind of communal. And there's sort of like aspects of the trip is like, oh yeah, I took your suggestion. It was great. I went and did that. Um, and sort of find it's a little more personal than sharing the experience with other people. Yeah. So. And writing things down sounded like it was more on the the uh the time off side of things would that help on your while you're working too or um or how would it help turn up at work not so much at work because it's a pretty set routine of like i've been on most of the dartmouth ships now so i know it's like all right i get up in the morning i'm gonna go do this and then we're gonna spend some hours working on this job and then i'm gonna go do that because i haven't looked at that in a couple hours Mm -hmm. should go check on it um so it's a lot more scheduled and routine whereas on my month off it's like sometimes i drive up to the farm sort of thinking i'm gonna go for two days and i end up spending a week yeah yeah um so it's sort of more on my life side of things Mm -hmm. have it written down somewhere where i see it every day it'll help yeah do you get bored during your time off just like Four weeks is a decent amount of time. Um, or do you ever do you ever get bored and do you ever get excited to go back to work? You're like, finally, something like Yeah, I find four weeks off. Sort of like the first week, it's like, great, I'm off the boat. I'm not going back to work for four weeks. And normally the second week, I'm sort of caught up seeing people and that I haven't seen in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Third week, I'm sort of thinking of, unless I've got stuff planned. And, well, I haven't got anything on the go today. I'm just going to putt around the house and maybe go for a stroll later but the fourth week rolls around and is like yeah it's I'm ready to go back to work like go do some go do what i do for a living like, mm-hmm. uh, but i find when i take the eight weeks or 12 weeks off 
then you get so wrapped up because you've normally planned a fairly substantial trip. You know, week eight rolls around and week 12 and it's like, oh, I got to go back to work. I haven't worked in two or three months. Um, it doesn't happen as often, but Curtis just, he, he's going back to work after five months off. Oh my God. <laughs> so he's like, he hasn't been at work for five months and it's like, I actually got to go do stuff now. Like, yeah. Does he remember which way to tighten a bolt? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully it's not counter-threaded. <laughs> Lefty Lucy, Curtis, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. Um, seemed like Vinny coming back from, he just transferred to Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. He just had five months off. Um, and it, after having that much time, I find it can be a little more depressing going back to work Mm. but you're also living or at least on the trip uh i don't want to say an unrealistic lifestyle but more of like a fantasy lifestyle because you are away traveling and versus you're standing four weeks off when you're actually here in the city doing your day-to-day life and stuff yeah um yeah on my time off it is like not everyone gets to do that with their time off Mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily have that much time off um yeah i bet you have yeah. a question uh <laughs> i don't know if you get this level of busy just how your work and recreational life are so yeah. distinct but if you do get so busy that something falls off the deep end what aspect of your life kind of suffers um, when things get overwhelming find time for myself sort of because i find it more so happens on my off time that with all the because i'm around like i'll be like yeah i can go lend a hand with this i can go yeah i can drive and pick up your dog mom like yeah um and then like next thing i know i've i'm driving to cape breton to yarmouth back to halifax cape breton and sort of in the span of three or four days or I'll sort of pile too much on. And then after doing that, it's like, well, I don't really want to do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which then it might be the stuff that I'm not wanting to do is now more so the stuff that I had originally set out and wanted to do. Yeah. Like I end up doing, because I have the time, I end up doing stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. And then I may not get to do the stuff I wanted. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to take time for yourself and that time yeah. off and time, not necessarily not doing things, but just like slowing down. And that's something that I appreciate about the hurricane was that we didn't have power. Well, I didn't really appreciate not having power for three days, but like that Friday night when playing board games, I was like, I would never be playing board games. I'd be like either out camping or in bed already because I was getting up early to do something the next day. And it was nice to have that. Just, sort of just sit like, and relax. Yeah, know? being forced to not be able to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nice uh, break. Yeah, I could definitely sort of slow down as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just sort of don't necessarily put too much thought into like, yeah, I, yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, maybe I should sit and think and I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it sounds like we both suffer with just keeping ourselves busy. Um, and this is something that I want to dive into. Yeah. Uh, like we are at about an hour, so I would usually wrap this up uh, with a typical guess, but. Yeah, yeah, not a typical guest. Um, I can't ask this for everyone, but what do you think leads to both as brothers? Yeah, uh, that kind of gives like drives us to always want to be busy. I don't know. Um, I just I find might not necessarily be more so as brothers, but the farm there is always something to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was either whatever chores mom had given us or you were working on taking manure or building a fort off in the woods somewhere like yeah not necessarily just work related yeah but stuff on the farm um and I found just sort of being like you were involved in sports and stuff in school so I was like well I guess that's what you do so i involved got involved mm-hmm. in sports and extracurricular activities and it was sort of i was busy 
Like, well, I guess, yeah, this is fun. Keep doing this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's been busy since grade six. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's been some stuff that I've dropped along the way. Like I started hunting back then and I've mm-hmm. sort of like recently been like, oh yeah, I could get back into that. I got the time for it. Um, so. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey. You got name dropped on the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> um, You'll have to yeah. check to see if it was before Curtis. <laughs> uh, if you ask mom, he's son number five. Number five. Oh, Curtis shit. Curtis was six. <laughs> All right. Do you ask where you stand? No. <laughs> I assumed I was one through four somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think you're right saying yeah. like growing up in the farm, there's always stuff to do, and it kind yeah. of tends to that. And um, I think yeah. also just to influence that like mom's always doing stuff yeah i think i definitely draw from that from mom yeah mom's always got something on the go mm-hmm. like she yeah it's... i think she's a bit oh, i don't want to say slower but like she did her masters that's done dealt with yeah and like not necessarily on like the same time frame as everyone else maybe uh, I don't, well, I don't think I don't people have a specific yeah. time frame. Like, whatever works for everyone. Yeah. But, like, at one point, yeah. she was doing her master's and then yeah. being a landlord and then also yeah, teaching, teaching full-time, I think, and then the farm. Yeah, it was, it's more than I would want to have to do at one point. Yeah. Like, but I know, for me personally, I find I always have a list of things. So there's always something to, like, refer to or resort to, yeah. like, there's always a project that I could be working I on. I find I more so have like larger trips planned mm-hmm. than so it may not be sort of like, oh I'm gonna go do this this time off, this time off, but like hey we can get some camping this time off, but like six months time we're all gonna go do this. Yeah. Um so it's not sort of necessarily go 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 towards Yeah, it's a different sort of busy, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Do you find there's times when you you're more apt to be busy or like put more on your plate? Um. Yeah, more so. If I can get a lot of visiting in, I find if I get to go stopping and catch up with people, mm-hmm. I don't mind being on the go all the time. Yeah, you like prioritize that. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like the situation you're in as a person yeah i'm trying not to divulge too much because i i can think about a scenario for myself but are there certain situations you find yourself in and then you you tend to to overload yourself in with things you could just say no too <laughs> yeah um i mean i sort of already touched on it but it's more so like spreading myself too thin and helping with other people hmm. i find i overload that yeah um like i'll be busy one day and then jump in the car drive and go help with something else the next day yeah um i sort of got to learn to say no yeah yeah so yeah i know for me personally i've found or i've recognized recently that sometimes making myself busy is a bit of an avoidance strategy so there's something I don't want to deal with, whether it's internal or external. Just making myself too busy that I either don't think don't have time it. about it or I don't have the energy to to think about it, like you said, or to address yeah. it. I haven't really thought of much in like that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you're only 24. You're young. You'll figure it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Not old like you. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple gray hairs. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, I was home a while ago when mom sort of went, your hair's really thin. It's <laughs> like, thanks, mom. <laughs> so. I know. Don't remind me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a game we can play. <laughs> Place bets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we just talked about a lot of similarities, which uh, wasn't something I was planning to talk on because something that kind of comes up is how yeah. different we are. Yeah. Um, both in hobbies, but also kind of, I don't think we look very similar. No, I, I wouldn't say I so. I think we could pass as 
I don't want to say strangers, but <laughs> as just roommates, sort of, yeah, like, not, not not necessarily so like your brother. Yeah. yeah, and like there's obviously you don't control your physical or like no. even your emotional or mental state uh, to a certain degree. But what do you think kind of shaped us to be be so different, being brought up in the same household? And obviously, like we just went through, we do share some similarities. Yeah, um, I'm not. I I haven't thought yeah. about this either. No, I, just, I haven't really thought of it. it. I mean, yeah, it's because we did do a lot of similar stuff growing up. I mean, the main big one that comes to mind is you didn't do cadets. Yeah. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. Sort of, I haven't thought much of it. Yeah. Because, like, even just, like, on the farm, just playing around, it'd be often just, not just the two of us, but, like, we would just go build a dam in the yeah. creek or the brook or whatever. Just or just, like... I remember throwing frozen turds at each other because <laughs> I like shit wars. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how cold it was, it hurt more. Honestly, I think I'd rather it hurt than go splat. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. Mom and dad and even granny were always sort of like, don't get outside. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we also didn't have what a we never had a gaming console until dad bought that Wii. So it was like, you had to occupy your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only so many ways of doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Things. The shit fight was really at the bottom of the list. Yeah. <laughs> we ran out of ideas from there. the bottom of it. <laughs> Scraped from the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose a smaller school too did lend to like, you signed up for one event. You sort of asked you to sign up for everything because they didn't have a large pe- amount of people to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's not necessarily common for everyone to have done basketball, soccer, volleyball, student council, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The product of Isle Madame, sort of <laughs> small area. You just did a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and there's not the necessarily like the resources that a city would have to to occupy yourself with yeah 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 i'm definitely gonna i mean i don't know if i have an answer about what makes us different not anyways <laughs> i'm gonna think of, i'm gonna take that one offline yeah. and think about it and i'll get back to you if i have an answer um is there anything on the work-life balance that we didn't touch on or anything you want to discuss before we wrap this up i don't think so um sort of covered most of it yeah yeah um yeah that's about (laughs) it i suppose cool it's not quite typical for a work schedule but if it floats your boat (laughs) yeah (laughs) displacement (laughs) then uh yeah it works for you cool well yeah i appreciate you bailing me out on this last minute episode no worries Um, glad it worked out yeah, I'm gonna make some food and then we can do the photo and yeah, and then I send you can off finish off packing. <laughs> All right, thanks, yeah. Liam. No problem. Thanks for staying tuned in to a bit of a different episode this week. I don't think I've ever spoken to Liam about his work and hobbies with intent, but that's gotten me excited to speak with some other family members. Next week's episode will feature Catalan Pitr, a marathon runner and triathlete who recently suffered a biking accident this past summer. Hear how she's coping with her recovery on next Monday's episode, and we'll see you then.